Corn futures are barely hanging on. Soybeans slightly higher. Oh, nope. Slightly lower. Winter wheat under, let's see, moderate pressure. Yikes! The new year market malaise continues. Hey, let's occupy ourselves with the view on land, the weather, maybe even politics. Live con El Lobo Solo via Farm Journal Broadcasto. This is AgriTalk. This morning, we'll begin with a conversation with Paul Shadegg from Farmers National Company. Then it's Brett Waltz from BAM WX. Later, pro-farmer policy OG Jim Wiesmeyer drops by for some caucus talk. And directly following the news, Karen Bonert from Farm Journal's Milk. I'm a handsome newsman, Davis Michelson. Yes, welcome to AgriTalk, everyone. On this uh, Tuesday that feels like a Monday that wants to be a Tuesday, and wishes it was a Friday. Your pal Davis Michelson here behind the big green leafy microphone of AgriTalk in Chip's stead. He will be back tomorrow morning. Hey, how about don't worry about it? He'll be back in the morning. That's all you need to know. He'll, he'll be fine. Everything's okay. Um, tomorrow morning, the uh, Farmer Forum will proceed. We got Senator Chuck Grassley. We got also, th- this is fine. In the meantime, we're uh, we're going to concern ourselves with other things there's a new report out from farmers national company um looking back over the last six months how did their biz do Uh, what did they learn about the land market and then it looks forward into 2024 you know we're at that that time of the year when when all of the uh, the outlooks seem to include oh the rest of the year what are we looking forward to here as we move into 2024 i mean we're 16 days deep in this year, folks, there's a long way to go yet before we know exactly what's going to happen. Paul Shadegg from Farmers National Company is going to uh, enlighten us with his thoughts on Farmers National's thoughts um, on what they're expecting in the land market moving ahead into the new year. And then it's whether, whether, whether you like it or not, we're going to talk with uh, we're going to talk with Brett Waltz, and I notice here in the city of fountains, which they turn the city, they, they turn the fountains off this time of year, because I don't think ice makes very good fountains. I don't know. There's physics there that I don't necessarily understand. But here in Kansas City, we're at we're at two degrees. We're headed for a for a high of a balmy 13 today. Finally, we creep out from the below zero number, and uh, doggone it, it feels good to be here. Uh, But we'll talk with Brett Waltz um, as we're talking outlook in the land market. Let's also talk outlook um, near term and in the longer term. um, I mean, is it too soon to talk to Brett Waltz from Bam WX about spring planting weather? I don't know. Jim Wiesmeyer drops by in the fourth seg uh, for a little talk about politics. We have the caucuses. I don't know what it means. I don't understand the caucuses or anything, but Jim does. And I actually have a few questions uh, from some listeners here uh, who were – Good enough to send me a couple of questions ahead of the show. Johnny on the spot this morning. And then, of course, Karen Bonert, if we can get to it. I need to get going here. Private exporters reported sales of 126,700 metric tons of corn for delivery to Mexico during the 23-24 marketing year. Feels like an opportunity buy there by a traditional buyer. In November, U.S. pork exports reached new records in key markets driven by outstanding performances in Mexico, Central America, and in Colombia, again, with the, with the uh, traditional buyers there. And with that, we'll turn to the National Weather Service short-term outlook. Snow continues across the mid-Atlantic and northeast. Additional freezing rain and elevation snowfall expected over the Pacific Northwest. Brief reprieve from the brutal cold after this morning. Although another Arctic blast expected late this week. We're going to talk, uh, talk with Brett about that and find out who's responsible. In the Iowa Republican caucuses, former President Donald Trump secured a significant victory, solidifying his frontrunner status in the GOP primary for the 2024 presidential nomination. Entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, who finished fourth in the Iowa caucuses, decided to suspend his campaign and was immediately endor- and has immediately endorsed former President Trump. Uh, we'll get more from Wiesmeyer at the end of the show this morning. Two-year Treasury yields tumbled to their lowest levels since May, dropping 24 basis points for the week as an unexpected decline in producer prices reversed trader pessimism from a surprise bounce in consumer prices. 
Congressional leaders want to vote this week on a stopgap funding bill that will provide spending authority extensions beyond previous deadlines. One part of the government's funding, including for USDA, would be extended until March 1st, while the remaining portion would receive an extension until March 8th. The agreement comes just before the first funding deadline of January 19, yada, 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 funding, 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 whatever. An anti-ship ballistic missile fired by Houthi fighters struck the Gibraltar Eagle, a U.S.-owned cargo vessel off the coast of Yemen yesterday. The ship and its crew, which had been headed toward the Suez Canal, were not seriously harmed, according to the U.S. military. The Pentagon's inspector general revealed that the Defense Department has not adequately tracked more than $1 billion worth of sensitive military equipment provided to Ukraine. This equipment includes shoulder-fired missiles, night vision goggles, one-way attack drones, and other items. The report raises concerns about the U.S.'s ability to prevent the theft or diversion of its weapons. South American crop consultant Dr. Michael Cordonier cut his Brazilian soybean and corn crop estimates amid reports from almost every state in Brazil of lower-than-expected yields on early harvested fields for Argentina. Cordonier raised his soybean crop forecast and increased his corn production estimate 3 million metric tons. And finally, the annual meeting of the World Economic Forum has started in Davos, Switzerland. The event brings together representatives from 100 governments, major international organizations, and partner companies, along with civil society leaders, experts, youth activists, and social entrepreneurs. We'll have more as the week goes on. But in the meantime, let's turn our attention to Karen Bonert from Farm Journal's Milk. Karen, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Davis. I'm good. Excellent. Excellent. Talk to me about the truth behind Wisconsin and 455 dairy farms in 23. Yeah, they're exiting and sadly, but you know, Davis, the math is just not adding up. $15 milk's not cutting it. At the start of the new year, Wisconsin had just shy of 5,900 dairy farms. And to really put that in perspective, in 2005, they had 15,000, a little more than 15,000 herds. Wow. And a decade later than that, they had 9,900 herds. So the number is obviously dwindling, although the cow numbers have kind of held steady about 1.2 million. I was able to catch up with Chad Vincent, who's the CEO of Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin. And he he told me a little information that I thought was very interesting. In March of 2020, just a tick ahead of COVID, they sent out a farm survey to the Wisconsin dairy farmers and to ask them, hey, what's your future plans? Are you planning on staying in the business? Do you have a succession plan in place? And at that time, 17% of all dairy farms in the state said that, that within five years, they would be not milking cows anymore. And um, and that 22% of all the dairies under 100 head had planned to exit in the next five years. So really, in the next three to or three to five years, he thinks, and, and I would agree that, um, you know, we're just going to continue to sadly see this trend continuing. 65% uh, of those uh, primary decision makers, Davis, on the farm were over 50 years old. And uh, 15% were over 65. Wow. Wow. Um, Karen, we should definitely talk about this. This is this is concerning here. There's no, no succession plans? The young don't want to take over the operation? Or is it just not profitable enough? You know what? We don't have time to answer that question. Where can we get more on this, Karen? Yeah, dairyherd.com. It's a combination of factors, Davis. Yep, dairyherd.com for more on that. Karen, thanks so much. Uh, hey, have a great week. You too. Thanks, Davis. All right, we are underway here on AgriTalk. Uh, let's see, we got Paul Shadegg from Farmers National coming up next. New report out, 2024 brings resilient ag land market. We'll see what Paul Shadegg makes of it here next on AgriTalk. Thanks so much for choosing, uh, for choosing to spend some time with us, AgriTalk. When you're planting, having the right scale system on your bulk fill planner or drill pays for itself. Use Point from ScaleTech to verify proper seeding rates and make money-saving adjustments on the fly. Not to mention monitor your seed supply with pinpoint accuracy. You could guess, but why? Instead of checking your hoppers manually, keep your tractor moving and let Point do the work. Save time and money with Point. Visit ScaleTech.com to learn more. When we told growers that Bayer Premium Trifold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trifold, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com.
Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Space, the final frontier, where we are limited only by our imagination. Join us in Houston for Commodity Classic, America's largest farmer-led, farmer-focused agricultural and educational event. New Frontiers in Agriculture. February 28th through March 2nd, 2024. Houston, we have no problem. Discover more at commodityclassic.com. The Scoop Podcast is where we talk about tight supply chains, emerging agronomic challenges, technology tools delivering ROI. I'm Margie Echelkamp, editor of The Scoop and host of The Scoop Podcast. Join me as I interview leaders from across the ag retail sector. Farmers are working hard for every bushel and their trusted advisors are by their side. Find The Scoop Podcast wherever you find podcasts so you are up to date on everything ag retail. There's danger out there. It lurks on highways and quiet neighborhood streets. It's more likely to kill you than a shark and more terrifying than the biggest snake. Distracted driving claims lives every day. Every notification, swipe, social post, video, or selfie while driving risks your life. So while you might think public speaking or the zombie apocalypse is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Ag Day host Clinton Griffiths, and I invite you to join me each morning as we cover the nation's food system, from fields of green to orchards of orange and livestock everywhere in between. America runs on agriculture, and here at Ag Day, agriculture is what we do best. Listen as our analysts track the markets, learn about innovations in technology and sustainability, and live the country lifestyle through the eyes of rural America. Join me, Clinton Griffiths, for Ag Day, the country experience. If the world is your oyster, we've got pearls of wisdom on Agritalk. All right, well, it's unfair for the song to be playing now. Uh, your pal, Davis Michelson here. You know what? Here's the thing. I'm a little spacey today, Planet Earth. I got to be honest with you, um, and I'm just going to I'm gonna pull the veil back just slightly here. I work from home, so don't worry. None of you are in danger, and I think I'm past it, but... My lovely wife tested positive for COVID just yesterday. Um, we're a little we're a little sick around here. Bless her heart, she's much sicker than I am. But I I do bring it up because the symptoms are just a little bit different. I think I had it like two weeks ago, but it acted more like a flu thing than than like a respiratory thing for me. There's like, well, I'm not going to use these words on the air, but you know what I mean. It's like that there was a shift and I didn't recognize it as COVID. I thought I just had like standard flu or something. Now she's got the same thing. She tests positive for COVID. So it's out there, folks. Um, just be careful. Let's remember to wash our hands. Let's be careful. Cough into your elbow. Do the vampire cough, that whole thing again, and try to keep yourselves well. Take some vitamins, whatever you need to do. All right, having said that, public service announcement ended. Paul Shadegg, Farmers National Company. Paul, thank you so much for joining us this morning. How's it going, buddy? Hey, Davis. Uh, good to hear your voice. But hey. um, I'm glad we're through the airwaves because I don't want COVID. No, you certainly do not. No, I don't think anybody does. And it's it's still around there, and I thought I'd bring it up just because, you know, every once in a while you got to just a little reminder. Let's not get complacent with the COVID. Hey, man, um, how uh, how was the holiday season? Do you – now, as a, as a land guy, do you sort of expect this to be a quiet time of year right around the first of the year? You know, we go through the – the end of the year is typically pretty busy because people are making some last minute selling, some last minute buying decisions. And, you know, the, the we're trying to accommodate either buyers or sellers to uh, to get something done before year end. So it's a mad rush to the end of the year and then somewhat a kind of a resetting uh, as we get into the first of the year. But but we also uh, finish the year extremely strong as a company and then the pipeline is full in uh, in January and going into February, so it's it hasn't been much of a lull, if any. Okay, well, and the reason we we brought you aboard today, we want to look into 2024. We want to talk about how your your company has performed over the the previous six months and your expectations here. You do have a new report uh, called "Brings uh, 2024 Brings Resilient Ag Land Market." 
I'm just going to read a little blurb here. Despite increasing pressure from declining commodity markets, rising interest rates, and inflation, the land market seems to be moving into 2024, maintaining the value increases it has built during the past three years. You mentioned that pipeline being fairly full. Paul, talk to us about the supply-demand scenario moving into 2024, please. Yeah, it's just uh, what one thing, that's probably the biggest factor that that is uh, in play to to keep those values uh, maintained at the level that we've set over the, the past few years where we've seen record increases in value. And, you know, that we start asking questions, why is that and who are the buyers and and what's motivating them? And, you know, the we're definitely seeing some cash uh, positions in the country start to dwindle a little bit. And that has that's pay, played a big part in how uh, the buyers pay for the premium values that they've got out there because they may and and the, the other factor is that lending is increasing. And so if they're borrowing against that land, the, the banks or financial institutions are only going to loan X amount. And then anything that you pay above that, you better have some cash or some equity to leverage. And uh, we're still seeing that happen. That That comfortable cash position that we've been talking about that has sort of, I don't know what you'd call it. It's almost like the the goose down in the sleeping bag, you know. It just makes you feel a little more comfortable, a little more, um, a little more able to go out and, and bid, perhaps aggressively. Talk to us about where that cash came from and maybe why we can't replace it very quickly, Paul. Well, a lot of the cash came from when we saw commodity markets uh, rise so fast and uh, and and be at the, the commodity markets were also experiencing some some record levels. And the other side of it, I attribute to, you know, very well-educated, smart uh, buyers out in the market, which when we talk about buyers, we're talking about farmer producers who, you know, they've had a conservative approach that when they had some great yields and that they uh, were able to sell at some record values, they took a lot of that cash and stuck it away, uh, call it the rainy day fund or uh, or just, you know, a lot of them been through some tough times and they realized that sooner or later, you're going to need some of that cash. And then when the opportunity to buy land pops up, they've got the the capital to uh, to apply towards it. Absolutely. Um, so when we when we talk about who are these buyers, I think I saw a number with an eight on it. Uh, about 80% still uh, op- farmer operators. Is that right? Yeah. And and, and those are our company numbers or mm-hmm. are right at 80%. Um, okay. You know, it'll vary sometimes just a little bit below that. But when we look at the industry as a whole, uh, we're, we're still in the 70s as, you know, those are the successful buyers of land. Now, they are absolutely being pushed along by an investor type, the funds, uh, whoever else that, you know, non-typical type buyer would be. And and then we have to think, you know, what's their motivation? And there's some other investment vehicles that that maybe could produce a return similar to what farmland does. But when they look at that long-term appreciation and land value, there's a lot of uh, the investors that have realized that, you know, that that's a good place to to put your money and divest in a portfolio. And uh, so it, it, uh, it definitely uh, is, they're definitely going to push those uh, local farmer operators. But, uh, but right now the, the farmer operators are still the, the number one successful buyer in mm-hmm. most transactions. Mm-hmm. When we, when we talk about the current value of these, of these land assets, um, it's difficult to find a better investment outside of the land market, of course. But um, given interest rates, given some uncertainty ongoing at the Fed here, there are some who are actually opting to retain ownership. In some ways, hands are tightening around some certain pieces of land, aren't they? Yeah, they they certainly are. They feel that that is somewhat of a safe haven, that they, they feel like the the ownership of land, when they look back in history and if they're able to get a return on it year over year, uh, even though that might not uh, equal what a certain stock might be, 
when they look at the long-term appreciation, and I used to use this analogy with uh, individuals that were new to the land market, you know, 25 years ago, they said, well, what, what is this going to be worth? Will this, will my investment in this land ever go to zero? And I said, I'm pretty confident it will never go to zero. And if it does, at least you can go out and still kick it, you know, yeah. where right. if you had a stock, it's just vaporized. <laughs> <laughs> so. That's excellent. Excellent. Um, so let's let's do look into 2024. You said the pipeline's been filling up both land auctions and listings. Um, pretty typical volume to start the new year here. Um, but what do you do? What's your focus moving into 2024 here, Paul? You know, we we definitely want to to help uh, whether they're a buyer or a seller that we're working with. We want them to have realistic expectations on what's that land going to cost and what that what's that land going to bring and while we have traditionally, especially when we get into Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, eastern Nebraska, areas like that, auctions have been traditionally the way that land is transacted. And there are some that we need to, to maybe have them step back and say, you know, this, this might be one, if you have a piece of land that maybe has a couple issues, or they're, they're expecting a record value that maybe isn't going to happen if we bring it to auction, that let's list it, and that gives us the opportunity to negotiate with with multiple buyers and and reach the goal. And so that's that's a big part of of what I see coming. We're probably going to see fewer auctions and and more listings just because of that. But when you have a high quality piece of ground and you know that the the demand in that area or there's going to be competitive demand in those areas, that auction is still the best way to determine that true market value because yeah. it's exposed and the, the bidders place their bids based on what they think that should bring in that day. Mm -hmm. Well, Paul, the, uh, the land market does tend to move quite a bit more slowly than, you know, for example, equities or, or something like that. And so it takes a, a more calculated approach here. I did want to talk about some of your five-year company stats, but I don't know if we're going to have time here. Uh, before we run out of time, how can a buyer or a seller get more information from Farmers National, Paul? You know, they can always find us at FarmersNational.com and find either the corporate person they'd like to talk to or the, the individual regional person they'd like to talk to. Uh, Paul Shadeg from Farmers National Company. Dude, thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning, for get, helping us get our, our hands around what's, what's coming up in the land market. Have a great day, buddy. Thanks, Davis. You too. That was Paul Shadeg from Farmers National Company. When we come back, we're going to talk with Brett Waltz about the weather. We're going to figure out how long this cold snap is going to hang around. I'm hoping it's on its way out today, but we'll find out. AgriTalk. Lower crop prices and extreme weather can take a toll on your profits and peace of mind. Crop insurance is a powerful tool to not only protect your financial security, but give you confidence to market grain, invest in your operation, and provide for what matters most, your family. At Farmers Mutual Hail, we understand that, so we've created products that allow you to customize plans for up to 95% coverage. It's time to rethink your crop insurance and choose FMH, America's crop insurance company, to protect your livelihood. Visit connect.fmh.com today. Retirement can be scary, but only if you're not prepared. That's why AARP created thisispretirement.org. Because unless you've already retired, you're in pretirement and you still have time to plan. Learn about retirement savings options, potential tax breaks, and how you can build savings over time. Visit thisispretirement.org for free resources to help you customize your action plan and feel the retirement fear disappear. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. And joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Brian, big reports last week put some hefty pressure on the markets, and we're seeing uh, the corn and the soybeans just sort of dribble lower this morning. Yeah, there just wasn't much uh, bullish news in the report data from last Friday, Davis, as, as you mentioned, and, and it weighed on markets. Uh, corn futures uh, trading to the downside. Uh, wheat futures actually leading us down with uh, double-digit losses there in the winter wheat markets and, and spring wheat. A uh, little bit lesser losses, but uh, uh, just a negative tone there, um, reflective back to the, the report data. But also the outside markets are highly negative here. U.S. dollar index is up almost 750 points. The stock 
stock market's under some pretty heavy pressure. Uh, crude oil, it's weaker. And, and so there's a lot coming at the uh, the grain markets this morning in a negative fashion, and, and we're seeing that play out in corn and wheat. Uh, soybeans, they've, they've traded both sides of unchanged and relatively directionless, to be honest with you. Um, soy oil's trading to the downside, soy meal trading to the upside, and, and so soybeans are kind of caught in the middle of that action. I'm looking over at the fat cattle. They're, they're kind of falling apart on us here, Brian. Yeah, so they start out with a firmer tone this morning, yeah. Davis, and, and uh, just kind of seeing that buyer interest erode here at midday. I don't think it's anything too alarming, to be honest with you. Um, just can't uh, sustain the buyer interest, and in all likelihood, we're in for a long wait for cash cattle trade. We have the cattle on feed report coming up on Friday afternoon. There's some uncertainty still with the weather, obviously. Uh, the extreme cold temps are still still hanging around. It's gradually going to warm up, but I, I think that uh, it will be a long wait for cash cattle trade to develop. Feeders, uh, because of the weakness in the corn market, they're favoring the upside at the moment. And then hog futures uh, are under some pressure here at mid-morning. That's Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. If you served, we want you to get the health care and benefits you earned. We want you to come to VA. There's never been a better time to apply. Under a new law called the PACT Act, we've expanded VA care and benefits to millions of people who served and their survivors. No matter where you served or how long you served, check out va.gov slash PACT to learn more about what VA can do for you and your family. Come, Come to, to VA. VA. Hey y'all, I'm Kelly Clarkson. Every American dreams of creating a better life for his or her family, but in some communities, those dreams face difficult challenges. When we come together to help those in need get the same opportunities as everyone else, we truly are making our country a better place to live for all of us. So look for volunteer opportunities in your community to help others achieve the American dream, all right? This message is courtesy of the United States Air Force. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. We don't make the news, we render it. AgriTalk. Boy, howdy, things are getting exciting now. We're up an entire degree here in Kansas City. We're at an even three degrees Fahrenheit here. Your pal Davis Michelson here behind the big green leafy microphone of AgriTalk. Chip will be back tomorrow morning. Don't worry about it. In the meantime, let's talk with Brett Waltz from BAM WX. Brett, we missed you yesterday because of the holiday. <laughs> We're super glad that you're willing to take some time with us today. Let's have a little extended chat about the weather, shall we? What say? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you all having me on. And it's certainly uh, weather that is worth talking about in terms of this crazy cold shot that we've been getting record breaking cold all across the central U S the past couple of days. Yeah, man, it's been, it's been rough. Um, it feels like maybe we're kind of at the nearing the end of this little cold snap here. Is that the case or is this just sort of hope? Misplaced. This is the, yeah, this is the worst of it. So the worst of it is, is getting past really after today, but I will say there, there's a reinforcing shot of some cold that's going to come back around as we see a storm system move through the Ohio Valley Friday. I uh, behind that into Saturday morning, it's another really cold morning, dangerous cold. Again, I would say Saturday morning. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if some lows got back down into the negative teens across Oof. parts of Iowa eastern nebraska south dakota so it's not quite over yet i do think some of the worst of it kind of the combination of the cold and the wind is passed though so when you talk about a potential return below uh zero into the double digits below can you throw a fence around that area what what specific area are you talking about where we need to watch out for that yeah we're looking specifically at really the entirety of the dakotas minnesota the eastern half of nebraska the entirety of iowa uh, and then even down into parts uh, of northern Missouri and far western portions of Illinois. That That's kind of the area that's going to take the brunt of it as we work into this weekend. But um, cold temperatures just on their own, I think I heard you say not a whole lot of concern about wind or precipitation to accompany this particular little cold spate. Yeah, the, the wind certainly, I mean, last week's system was an anomaly just in terms of the wind field that was with it. It, it was a combination of a really, a really strong low pressure system and then 
with that, you get the wind. And so uh, it's not going to be quite as intense with this next front that moves through. Now, I do think that we need to watch for maybe some snow threats. Again, it's not anything to the extent of as what some areas saw last week, but what I would call a, a clipper system that kind of originates out of Saskatchewan that's going to work through Thursday and into Friday that could drop some light accumulations across, uh, especially western and southern South Dakota, Nebraska, into the southern half of Iowa, and then maybe a better chance of snow in the Ohio Valley, Indiana, Kentucky, and Ohio Thursday night into Friday. It seems like there's an awful lot of snow out there this year, man. Yeah, you know, I, I it's been, you know, it, it's a little deceiving, though, I'd say, because December was was quiet. December was, was a pretty quiet month, and it's really ramped up as we've started out, out the new year. Um, but I will say there, if you're sick of the cold, you're sick of the snow, there is some hope that I think that as we work into next week, the pattern really starts to get more mild again, above normal temperatures returning. Okay, very good, very good. Um, so the severe weather forecast is there's nothing necessarily up uh, coming up right now as far as storms go. Let's uh, let you know what. Let's go to South America just a little sure. bit. What's their story down there currently? How do you like their weather setup? Yeah, so there has been some rains over the past couple of weeks into 2024 that has helped. Uh, this next seven days, I wouldn't say it is particularly wet, especially in, in Mato Grosso. That's an area that over the next seven days is a little bit drier as a whole. Um, I do think that far eastern Brazil and into northeastern parts of Argentina, that's an area coming up that can see some timely rains. And I'm looking out into the extended range, kind of that that week two time frame as we work really the last seven to 10 days of the month of January. Data right now is rather aggressive with precipitation uh, across central Brazil and Mon mm -hmm. that Monte Grosso area again. However, looking at how things have rolled forward for this upcoming period, we're concerned that maybe data is too aggressive with rains at this distance, uh, that maybe data could roll forward a little bit drier. And so it's not as bad maybe as what it was a month or so ago, but I still wouldn't say that it's consistently good with above normal moisture in that particular region. Drier and perhaps hotter at the same time? Yeah, I, I do think that some of that heat can come back as well. I think that there is the, the potential. And, and again, if I kind of narrow down the area, uh, it's really especially central Brazil and Monte Grosso over the next 10 days that are going to see kind of the core of the heat. Not too warm for Argentina and southeastern Brazil, though. That's an area that gets some rain and it's not terribly hot. Okay. Uh, let's talk a little bit about sea surface temperatures. A lot of talk about the transition from La Nina to El Nino. I guess I, I don't need to, but I don't have a real good handle on where we are along that continuum right now, other than we had been working to make a transition, and now here we've got uh, this, this super ultra cold weather. Is this related at all? Is there anything to be, uh, any knowledge to be gained from, from this here when, when it comes to the Ninos? Yeah, no, I think that's a fantastic question. I would say that this cold blast is almost entirely related to what's going on over the pole, which is the polar vortex. We had a split that happens only every couple of years. It's not super common. And even when it does happen, it doesn't always split those cold pieces of the polar vortex over the United States. It did in this case, which is why we got so cold. But I will say that in El Nino years, like we're dealing with right now, that does happen more frequently. So you can tie that back into maybe the stronger El Nino state a little bit. I think that this El Nino state is really going to have a big factor on what's going to happen into spring and into planting season across the U.S. It's really key. I would say the next two or three weeks, because typically we start to get some weakening of El Nino this time of the year. It kind of slowly starts to wane. If we can see some weakening that would increase the odds that we go into more of a neutral state as we work into the spring and early summer, which can lead to, especially across the eastern portions of the ag belt, some drier threats as we end the planting season and start the growing season. However, if over the next two or three weeks we stay a little bit steadier with our El Nino state, Typically, those are wetter springs. You think back to a couple of wetter springs, like a 2019 is a recent one. That's probably an extreme example. 
but that was a year that held on to El Nino longer and it was a very wet spring and into early summer. So that's a key thing that we need to watch the next couple of weeks leading up to our planting forecast. How is how is the European forecast look over there? We you know, we saw them it was terrible cold and then they didn't have enough nat gas to keep everybody warm and all that sort of stuff. What's what's the European winter shaping up like? Yeah, for sure. So they they kind of started out the season similarly with or, or I was I should say actually a little bit colder than we did because they had that high pressure out there near Greenland. And when that tends to happen, you actually get a little bit colder. We didn't quite get the benefits from that until more recently. And so upcoming, that future is actually going away. So they're going to be a little bit warmer. In fact, some pretty notable warmth as we work over the next two weeks, uh, and especially as we work towards the end of January. But similar to the United States, I, I think that there can be a transition back to some colder weather sometime late the first week of February, probably more into the second week of February. We're, we're rather lined up over the next several weeks, North America and Europe, in terms of what the impacts are going to be. We're going to be warmer in January in the U.S., going to be warmer in Europe in, to, to in January in the U.S. And, and I think a similar transition back to some cooler weather possible as we work into uh, the early to mid part of February. One of the big concerns is, well, two big concerns, really, and it, and it goes back to moisture, moisture, moisture. We're worried mm -hmm. about the Big Muddy. We're worried about the Mississippi River. I think a little less so than we were at one point. Uh, but then, of course, there's there's the soil moisture that we desperately need to have recharged in certain areas. We look at the eastern belt last last uh, growing season. You know, we had Brian Grady out there on crop tour saying, well, this it had a better start because it started out with some subsoil moisture. Brett, uh, moisture onto frozen ground doesn't necessarily help us all that much to recharge our soil moisture. Um, dude. Can we get the timing right to thaw the soil in just the right time so it'll soak up just the right amount of moisture at just the right time? The river is is refilled and everybody's happy. You, is there anything like that in your in your forecast for spring? Yeah, so I, I actually think a little bit of help from that because it's really going to warm up to in January. There could be some melting. It's probably not going to completely melt, but a little bit of melting to end January and some more precipitation. But as we work into late spring, I, I do think that there's the potential, and I would say especially for the plains, um, that particular region into March and April, that's an area that I think can be a little bit more active to start out spring and into the plankton season to kind of recharge uh, some of that soil moisture. I, I think that's an area that can uh, maybe start out a little bit colder in March, but then quickly transition to a little bit warmer and more active, which can help recharge things. I, that's an area that I'm a little bit more confident about. Eastern Ag Belt, that's an area that I, I'm concerned could stay a little bit drier as we start out the planting uh, season this year. Interesting. Um, before I cut you loose, Brett, where do we get more sure. information from BAMWX? Yeah, head over to uh, BAMWX.com. We actually have a little pop-up there. You can get a free sample of our long-range forecast that we put out yesterday discussing the pattern over the next several weeks. And uh, be on the lookout. We'll talk about it here in a few weeks. But uh, our planting season webinar discussing that forecast that we touched on a little bit will be towards the end of February. Oh, that's a good tease, that planting season webinar. Brett, I, I think that I think I was involved in one of those a few years ago. This is a, a really great outlook um, for the for the planting season that BAM puts together every year. Uh, you guys do such a fantastic job. Thanks for spending some extra time with us this week, Brett. We really appreciate yeah. you, buddy. Yep, thank you. And we will hear more from uh, from Brett Waltz and the good folks at BAM WX as we get closer to that, uh, that webinar that they've got coming up. Um, on the other side of this break here, I've got his royal gymnast, Jim Wiesmeyer, Pro Farmer Policy OG, to talk about the caucuses, to talk about the election cycle. Hey, let's talk about funding, too, because we can't just not talk about funding, right? Agritalk? Mom's early Alzheimer's diagnosis was hard to take. And when I left the oven on, we decided together that it was time to see a doctor and make a plan. Early detection gave us more time to seek out information and support as a family. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. For more information, visit alz.org slash time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. This is Andrew McRae, host of the American Countryside. 
I'm also a farmer and rancher from Northwest Missouri, and I hope you'll join me each week for Farming the Countryside as we take a look at the top issues impacting agriculture as told by the people farming and working in their industry. We'll talk about markets and trade, share some of the latest tips and trends from grain and livestock producers, and take a look at trends impacting rural America. Join me for Farming the Countryside on many local radio stations or on your favorite podcast platform, or just go to farmingthecountryside.com. Hey guys, it's me, Isabella Gomez, filling in for Smokey Bear because he's got more to say than just... Only you can prevent wildfires. Like, if you're outside enjoying a barbecue, don't let a hamburger distract you from fire safety. Make sure you aren't dumping your hot coals or ashes onto the ground because that could start a wildfire. So take wildfire prevention seriously and let's save the world one day at a time. Juntos con Smokey Bear, podemos hacerlo. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Kelly Clarkson, and as the daughter of a school teacher, I know just how important education is. No matter how old you are or your situation, continuing to learn will enrich your life and help remove barriers you didn't even know were there. So much opportunity, y'all. Whether it's a foreign language, history, or a different way to look at things, take some time each day to learn something new. This message is courtesy of the United States Air Force. There I was, driving along, when I saw the corn laying down in the field, goosenecked again. Even though I tried everything, new traits, existing soil insecticides, every corn grower knows the hassle of gooseneck corn. But now there's Nerisma insecticide from BASF, a better, stronger infro insecticide that controls corn rootworm and below ground pests. Stand up for your corn with Nerisma insecticide. Ask your authorized BASF retailer about Nerisma. And always read and follow label directions. My whole identity had been wrapped up in being a soldier. To have that so violently ripped from me when I was wounded, I was lost for a very long time. When Wounded Warrior Project came into my life, being around the other warriors, people that had similar experiences that I did, it was a game changer for me. Having King join the group, that was the beginning of a really good friendship. It's a, it's a, it's a good time. I first heard about Wounded Warrior Project through CQ. And at first I was kind of like, eh, I don't know if I qualify. But having been a part of it, it's kind of taught me that it's not just the wounds that you can see, but it's those that you can't. When you do something like a peer support group with Wounded Warrior Project and come together from different walks of life, man, the growth is incredible. If not for Wounded Warrior Project, I really don't think that I'd be here today. See how we help warriors combat stigma at woundedwarriorproject.org slash combat stigma. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private health care is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready. And health insurance is your financial safety net. Health insurance has never been so easy and affordable. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is $35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-801-2730. That's 800-801-2730. I taught for 20 years until I started forgetting my lectures. Eventually, he had to quit. Getting his early Alzheimer's diagnosis was hard, but it gave us time to take control of the situation together. I can't imagine going through this without him. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. For more information, visit alz.org slash time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. The best talkers in ag, including you. Join the conversation on AgriTalk. Call us at 855-4-TALK-AG. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everyone. A chilly Tuesday morning, but it's getting warmer. A little warmer all the time. We're up to four degrees now. Kansas City. Hope you're uh, hope you're inching toward uh, 
towards zero and above wherever you may be. Lots of layers, folks. Lots of layers. Let me bring in Jim Wiesmeyer now. Pro Farmer Policy OG. Good morning, Jim. How are you? Good morning, Davis. Well, we have a four here, four inches of snow, and that's uh, that's like uh, 20 or 25 inches in Iowa. Yeah, that's significant there for, for D.C. Wow. Well, they're not going to have any votes in the House as a result. They'll have activity, but uh, we panic on anything more than two inches. They'll have Wait, so they'll have activity but not votes? Is that what you said? Yeah, like well, the rules committee right. will meet. Yeah, the so rules business committee, as usual. But they won't vote. Business as usual. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, the Senate's um, going to vote. The Senate's going to vote today okay. on that uh, uh, continuing resolution package, uh, March 1 for USDA and and other agencies, and March 8th, a continuing resolution uh, for uh, 80% of the other uh, other agencies and departments. And now I think the votes will be there in both chambers. Okay. So in, in those votes, what are the odd issues out that may not get some funding there? What, what's left to clean up at that point? Oh well, you'll still have the border issues, and you'll have uh, uh, other uh, other things that are unresolved. But in parallel, uh, Davis, what has not been given a lot of press? I know we've written about it at, at Pro Farmer is a bipartisan seventy billion to seventy eight billion dollar tax package, hmm. uh, tax reform package that would be good for agriculture. It would uh, get research and development extension, uh, deductibility, some things on the on the Democrats like it because it would have a child care, a child care, a child care tax credits, not as uh, not as uh, illustrative as they had in the uh, during the pandemic. But uh, this has momentum now, and I'm not going to rule it out being 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 passed. Excellent. Excellent. Wow. Okay. Um, well, Jim, the reason I wanted to have you on today, especially, I don't know anything about the caucuses, and I'm from Iowa. Dude, I was born there. I lived there for like 50 years, like half a century I was there. I still have no idea. We don't need to get into any of that. Just talk to us about the results. What did it what did it yield for us, Jim? Very impressive uh, for Trump. It shows you that he is definitely uh, the re- uh, he's the head of the Republican Party. He a record margin victory. He won ninety eight of the ninety nine Iowa counties <laughs> and only lost Johnson County, I think, by one vote. Wow, you know? uh, that's so- a coup in itself in Johnson County. <laughs> Absolutely. But it, it he had a great ground game. So he learned a lot uh, from his prior uh, endeavors in Iowa. So uh, mm-hmm. you have to give it to him and his crew. And he was quite conciliatory relative to uh, Trump in his victory speech. He, he uh, uh, thanked uh, his opponents, uh, said they did a good job. So what does it mean? Uh, New Hampshire first primary is next Tuesday, a week from now. Mm-hmm. Uh, New Hampshire is different than Iowa. They have more independents. They're less homogenous. Uh, you could, I think they'll have more crossovers. I think some more Democrats may come over to vote uh, for a Republican. But it's going to be Nikki Haley's probably only uh, chance remaining to make this a two-person race. She either has to win it are come very close to Trump, who's currently ahead in the polls, I think, by five to six percentage points in New Hampshire. I say that because the follow on after New Hampshire is Nikki Haley's home state of South Carolina. But Trump is ahead uh, in that state. So bottom line, it looks like uh, Trump is going to be the Republican candidate. Now, there's some Democratic impacts here, too. No one will admit this publicly, but I think this is going to put pressure on some leaders in the Democratic Party outside of our president, uh, Biden, to put pressure on him to eventually uh, not run for president. Because the fear is that if his numbers continue to go lower, not higher, Mm -hmm. uh, the Republicans could garner a trifecta win, uh, the White House, House and Senate. Wow. Uh, that's going to take a few months to gel, but I wouldn't rule it out. Um, from a listener, any thoughts on uh, Trump's VP pick? 
Uh, I don't think it'll be Vivek uh, Ramaswamy. I think he's a cabinet uh, choice if Trump okay. is the next president. Uh, Christy Nome is what most people are saying in this town. The bottom line oh, on vice South presidential. South Dakota governors. Yes. Yeah. Uh, she knows agriculture. That's what I like. I like uh, her, she's yeah. A, yeah, she's a cattle. So I always like a yeah. person who knows the livestock industry because they're yeah. more balanced because they know that a corn and a soybean producer, that's their best market. But a, a vice presidential candidate usually can only hurt you. They can't help you. One of the rare exceptions in my lifetime was Lyndon Johnson helping, I think, helping uh, Kennedy become president. Oh, yeah. Um, one more from a listener here before we run out of time quickly, Jim. Um, sure. Entrance of a third-party candidate. Is that on your radar at all? That's on my radar. I was at the American Associ Soybean Association meeting last week in Florida, and that was a big topic to me. Uh, mm -hmm. They want to know if Joe Manchin's going to run. He could be a formidable candidate in the so-called no-labels party, so I would watch that. That would give truly independence our naysayers from both political parties a choice to have a protest vote, if you will. I don't think wow. that they would be president, but watch Joe Manchin, whether or not he enters in the ring. Isn't that interesting? Um, and just really quickly, horribly low on time. Um, what happens with the Haley DeSantis? Do they make perhaps one single ticket with Haley on top? I just don't see it. I just okay. don't see it. No, okay. don't Fair say enough. it. It's New Hampshire. She's got to win. I think DeSantis is through. I, I really do. Excellent. Jim Wiesmeyer, thank you for your perspective this morning. Have a great week, buddy. We appreciate you. That's Pro Farmer Policy OG Jim Wiesmeyer here on AgriTalk. Uh, it's, it's been a great show this morning. We've got uh, Michelle Rook taking over the reins this afternoon. Uh, so for uh, Big Apple Joe Stackler, Karen Bonard, Paul Shadegg, Brett Waltz, and Jim Wiesmeyer, it's me, the handsome newsman on AgriTalk tomorrow morning. Senator Chuck Grassley and Chip Flory host the Farmer Forum. Don't miss it. AgriTalk. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. The Scoop Podcast is where we talk about tight supply chains, emerging agronomic challenges, technology tools delivering ROI. I'm Margie Echelkamp, editor of The Scoop and host of The Scoop Podcast. Join me as I interview leaders from across the ag retail sector. Farmers are working hard for every bushel and their trusted advisors are by their side. Find The Scoop Podcast wherever you find podcasts so you are up to date on everything ag retail.